This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in. Good to have you with us. It's uh, Wednesday, midday, hump day edition of Sports Talk, day after Election Day. We're still here. The world is still here. The country is still here. So that's good. I'm glad we didn't, uh, you know, mess it all up yesterday in one way or another so that we're all still here functioning and able to do sports talk and get your mind off that other nonsense and talk about the real important stuff of the day, like what's wrong with the Clemson defense and why can't the Gamecocks score 45 points a game? I mean, those are the critical issues of our time. <clears throat> and why can't I get over this cold? That's the other critical issue. Actually, I'm doing much better. Thank you very much for those of you concerned. Uh, Pat, how you feeling? You're looking better. Feeling spry? Feeling spry, feeling good, just about back to normal. Glad to hear you're doing better, too. Yeah, we're fighting it. We're fighting it. <clears throat> and Bergie will join us and... <coughs> He's doing better as well. I'm sorry. I'm not going to hide the cough anymore. It's just going to happen when it happens here on the tail end of this thing. So I hope you don't get it out there. Uh, But I think it's unavoidable, you know, with this weather. (sighs) Hurricane coming here in November. we got high school football playoff games tonight as a result of that. It was weird, man. I was booking my hotel for uh, Gainesville today for the USC Florida weekend. It's just strange to book a hotel right in the heart of a hurricane, you know, but it should be passed by uh, the weekend. So that should not impact uh, USC and Florida uh, whatsoever. And Clemson, Louisville should be fine from a weather standpoint as well. All right. So uh, tonight, great show for you. Chalk Chalk with Ellis Johnson, Chuck Reedy coming up at the bottom of the hour. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move at a little bit after seven. Mike's got basketball and football this week, so he'll definitely be on the move. We'll update uh, recruiting for you as well. And uh, got some other folks we'll, uh, we'll hear from. I was over USC basketball last night, caught the tail end, last 15 minutes of the, you know, Closer than expected game between South Carolina and SC State. And give credit to the Bulldogs. They, for their first game under a coach that didn't come on board until like what, July? Uh, they looked pretty tough. They stood out there and were knocking down threes. Now, the Gamecocks have um, some talented players. I think when Michi Johnson's on the court running things, it, it gives them a, a, a decent chance. I thought their defense was suspect a good bit last night. I thought State got a lot of good shots against them especially kind of broke them down and got inside for some shots. That's something they can work on. It's just one game, of course. It's something they can work on. State uh, zoned up the Gamecocks quite a bit and said shoot the outside shot, and they obliged by shooting the outside shot. And uh, They were below average in shooting the outside shot. G.G. Jackson, first time seeing him in a, a college game in a USC uniform, he definitely has talent. You're going to see him playing the point a lot and bringing the ball down the court. He's just one of those big kids with small man skills. He can get the rebound and bring it up himself and set up the offense, and I think that uh, they're going to let him do just that. So we'll hear from uh, Coach Paris tonight, a few thoughts from him from last night's game. Uh, coordinators today over at USC heard from the three of them. 
uh, brought in um, Satterfield and brought in White and brought in Limbo. It's funny. You got the three coordinators, and Limbo is like he's given head coach time. I mean, he does 30 minutes because he gives an opening statement. You know, he likes to give an opening statement, talk about something in music or in military or something like that. He's a man of um, a man of the world, and so uh, he goes longer than the other two. They just take questions. Bring you a little bit of Satterfield. Also, from the Clemson standpoint, I think it's important we hear from uh, defensive coordinator Wes Goodwin uh, coming off the performance of the Clemson defense up at Notre Dame where he's kind of on his heels and saying that they've got to flush it, get back to playing their style of defense. So it's a loaded-up show tonight. 888-898-2525 is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Bergie is with us from the Sardis Palace, sprayed down with Lysol from <laughs> head to toe. How you feeling? No doubt. I'm feeling a little bit better tonight. I appreciate that. And I cannot believe you missed the two biggest stories of the day in your open. I'll get to that in just a second. You also didn't reference to me the best player for the Gamecocks last night, and that's Hayden Brown. That kid gets it. Uh, and it's funny watching him and sort of interact with guys who are five, four, and three years his junior. But I thought Hayden Brown for the Gamecocks last night was terrific. And if not for his hustle plays and his ability to get some shots and make free throws, which uh, plagued the Gamecocks down the stretch last night, I don't know they win that ball game. But you're right about Gigi Jackson. Boy, that, that kid's got all the tools. He's going to be a phenomenal player to watch. Unfortunately, we probably, at least for us as fans, fortunately for him, but we'll only probably get to see him for a year. But I, I thought SC State played very, very well. And when you make more three-pointers than you turn the basketball over, mm-hmm. you're going to win a lot of ball games. But um, the big story, uh, certainly college football-wise around the state, was the news coming out of Coastal Camp today that Grayson McCall is going to be out there starting quarterback for three to six weeks mm. with a foot injury and how that affects the uh, Shauna Clears moving forward because uh, they'll have to go. It, it appears that Bryce Carpenter will be the incumbent starter moving forward, and that's not an unusual role for him. He's a super senior, so they've got the luxury of turning it over to a guy who's played a good bit and played some this year as well, and guy who can run it probably a little bit better than McCall, maybe just not throw it as well as McCall. But they've got such a big ball game coming this weekend, Phil. If they beat Southern Miss, they win the East Division of the uh, Sunbelt Conference. Mm-hmm. So they can clinch a, a trip to the uh, Sunbelt Conference title game with a win. Probably not the time you want to have your starting quarterback and preseason Heisman Trophy, at least uh, candidates, go down before the uh, final couple of ball games. And if that six-week time frame is true, they may not have him back for the uh, potential of the uh, Sunbelt Championship game. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. You know, we noticed – Last Thursday, I was there. Of course, you were there on the sideline, and he was—he came off the field uh, limping, uh, noticeably dealing with something. And then, and you pointed this out to me after the game, unbeknownst to the coaches, right? He put himself back into the game. He just ran in and replaced uh, the it, quarterback, and I guess he felt like he was ready to go. He didn't even want to run it by the coaches, just went out there and went back into his normal spot. It seemed that way. Now, I never got that verified. I don't know if Coach Chadwell would say that or not, but it it looked that way because he came out of the uh, medical tent and jogged up and down the sidelines for a couple of uh, paces, and they realized where – and the football, if you're at Brooks Stadium, you can envision the home side. The football was going towards the – street side where the scoreboard is at Brooks Stadium. So he ran down towards the field house and then came onto the field behind the offense. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the coaches ever saw him reinsert himself, but that's the kind of player he is. And Jamie Chadwell talked about that today and said being on the sidelines is going to absolutely just kill him that he can't get out there because he just happens to be in my, my mind. He's, he reminds me a lot of Connor Shaw. 
was a football player who happened to be playing quarterback, not a quarterback who's also playing football. Yeah. I mean, that's how he plays, and he just throws his body into harm's way a lot, and it's hurt him sometimes, using that term, both literally and figuratively, because he has gotten banged up. And actually, I guess from a CCU perspective, it's good news that he has gotten hurt in the past because they've been able to get Bryce Carpenter some playing time and get him ready. And and I think a lot of folks don't realize, but this was the kid who was the 7A football player of the year down in the state of Florida. So he's no slouch taking over. He just wasn't very highly recruited at quarterback, but uh, they're turning it over into uh, very capable hands. They also have Jarrett Guest who can uh, fill in as well at quarterback, so they may run that tandem, but I would expect Bryce Carpenter to get the majority of their snaps this weekend. Okay, that was the big news. We'll try to get in some Jamie Chadwell comments as well. Looking ahead to their big game against Southern Miss this weekend, like you said, in a position now to wrap up their division and move on to the league championship game. And let's see, what else? I I guess we'll just open things up for your phone calls now. 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here. On Sports Talk, if you haven't had a chance to get through the first couple of nights of the week, certainly can take your calls in here now before we get to the coordinators at the bottom of the hour for some chalk talk with Ellis Johnson and Chuck Reedy. Of course, phone number, 888-898-2525. We come to you from the Dave & Buster studio here in Columbia. Uh, You can eat, drink, play, catch all the big games this season at Dave & Buster's in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Make sure you stop by the various locations here in our state, 1025 Woodruff Road up in Greenville, 100 Columbiana Circle in Columbia, and Broadway at the Beach, 1322 Celebrity Circle in Myrtle Beach. Dave and Buster's, great place to hang out, great place to have a meal, get out and enjoy the sports and the food and the good times there at Dave and Buster's. Triple uh, triple eight eight nine eight two five two five lottery line for you. And since two thousand and two, more than nine hundred and ninety nine million dollars in lottery proceeds have been used to support K through twelve programs in South Carolina. You can learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. Playing for fun is a win for education. All right, let's get the lines uh, rolling. We'll get to your phone calls right after the break and uh, got a couple lines open so go ahead and give us a shout 888-898-2525 is the number we'll be back after this break right here on sports talk When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the strawberry watermelon margarita or dangerous waters. Cheer on the team with cantina nachos or wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships. For funding grants. For funding innovation in this state. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. 
South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. All right, should I tell the story, Chris? Absolutely. That was the biggest news of the day that I was referencing. Not to, that uh, Grayson McCall's injury is huge news, but mm. it takes a back seat well, to the celebrity that you met today. That's true. That's true. So I took Ellis out for lunch today. You know, I felt sorry for him. So I took him out for lunch, and we're sitting out having lunch. And um, this gentleman comes up and starts speaking to Coach Johnson. They know each other, and they start conversing, and da-da-da-da-da. And Ellis says, you know, that is as he's standing there. And the guy go, no, he goes, uh, that's Michael Myers. <laughs> and I said, Michael Myers, Michael Myers, Michael Myers. You mean of, of Halloween, the movie franchise Halloween? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's me. Anyway, the, the gentleman uh, who's who uh, is from Columbia. He's actually from Columbia. He actually was at South Carolina in journalism school the same time I was, a couple of years behind me. His name is That's James amazing. Courtney. His name is James Courtney. Has family in Columbia, kind of grew up in the Hopkins area, would have gone to Lower Richland High School. Very athletic. He's, he's also a stuntman. He's a stuntman actor, and he was Michael Myers in the 2018 flick and this one, Halloween Ends flick. And just a cool, cool guy. He had a chance to talk to him and ask him questions and, uh, you know, like, what's it like to just murder people left and right? <laughs> and he's like, you know, when you're playing the role, when you're getting in that mode, you're in – you to be a good actor, you've just got to become that moment. You've got to become that individual, whatever it happens to be. And, yeah, he's done movies with Tom Cruise and, and other, you know, famous folks. I guess he's famous as well. So, yeah, that was a blast. Uh Meeting him now, I've got to go watch the movie because I asked. I him, have never been more envious and jealous of you, Phil Cornblue, than I am today. You love the movie, right? You I, love, love, I love the Halloween franchise. Yeah, uh, there are a couple in there I didn't didn't really like, but for the most part, it is a such a well done franchise from a horror yeah. film perspective. I just love the Halloween movies, and for you to meet Michael Myers, mm, that's that's big. really cool. That's big, that's, yeah, that's, that's up that's, there. That's a bucket list thing you checked big. off today. Well, did you have you seen the last one yet? I, I haven't seen that yeah, one. No, I, I have not. I asked him, you know, what happened to you at the end there, and he wouldn't tell me he said you gotta go see the movie you know because that's how he gets paid yeah, he sure wants, he wants absolutely to go see the movie but uh, yeah i want to just say he's a real cool guy real cool guy and it was uh, it was great meeting him and he's friends with with ellis so that was kind of neat to uh meet somebody that he has a, a friendship with so that was really he's cool well, he's well skilled with the knife did you let him cut up your steak for lunch today that would have been a good idea <laughs> now who is the better murderer uh michael myers or freddy krueger Oh wow! Yeah, Fred, I, I, Freddy Krueger was Friday the Thirteenth, right? No, he was the uh, Nightmare no, that, on Elm Street. 
Nightmare oh. on Elm Street well, was, was Freddy Krueger. Well, who was Friday the 13th? That was, that was Jason Voorhees. And Jason probably <laughs> would be better in the characteristics in, in terms of going head-to-head with Michael. But keep in mind, Michael Myers never dies. I mean, he's been around since 1978. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. How about Freddy? Does Freddy die in the movie? Uh, uh, that's a good question. So the, he, always, so, he always took you out in your dreams, if memory serves. All right, so the three bad guys were Michael, Freddy, and Jason. Jason. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Boy, I tell you what, if I could do it all over again and have sons, I'd name them Michael, Freddy, and Jason. How about that? Huh? The one scary trio. They'd have fun at Halloween for sure. <laughs> Michael, Freddy, and Jason. Okay. All right. That's the highlight of my of my life. I don't meet many movie stars. Uh, and, it's and all downhill was, from, from here, Phil. Yeah, I'm I can tell you that, man. It's all downhill. That was quite cool. Let's go to the phone calls. Where the phone callers are the superstars and the movie stars. Jimmy up in Greenville. Good to have you with us tonight from up in the upstate. Welcome in. How are you? Uh, good. How are y'all today? We're terrific. All right. So I wanted to call, talk about uh, South Carolina men's basketball. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. Gamecocks uh, offense operates a lot better with Michi Johnson in there. Uh, and I don't know if you all saw that play where some of the uh, commentators are wondering if it was an intentional he threw it off the backboard. Yeah. But I believe he did. And that was a great pass to uh, Gigi Jackson. And I agree with you, y'all. Uh, Gigi's got all the tools. The only thing I didn't like was the way he would stand out on the perimeter and want him to throw them the ball, and he'd get frustrated when they didn't. But, yeah, he's got all the tools, and he hit those two threes. Uh, he's gonna. He's probably gonna be a top a five draft pick next year. Well, first thing I like about you is how many times you said you agreed with us. That's uh, unusual <laughs> for a caller, so we appreciate that. Uh, and number two, I mm-hmm. think you're spot on with your analysis as well. If I recall, now, I wasn't there when Michi made that throw off the backboard because I, I think it happened in the first half and. We were over here, so I didn't get over there. But um, I saw a video of it. It looked like he was stumbling or something. It looked like Johnson kind of lost his balance, right, and threw it off the backboard, and Gigi grabbed it and slammed it down? Yeah, he stepped on the side of his foot, and then he uh, was trying to keep his balance, and just before he lost his balance completely and fell to the floor, he threw it off the backboard. Gigi was right behind him and just stuffed it, man. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a nice (laughs) play, and – the thing is, uh, Gigi had 18 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double your first game, and you're only 17 years old. Real impressive. Yeah, good start. But, I mean, yeah. it's going to get tougher. We'll see what they do against Clemson. Uh, boy, I just hate the fact that P.J. Hall's not available for Clemson. Yeah, me too. You know, you want to see great. these two teams mm-hmm. at full strength and just, just too bad. Gamecocks were without um, their big guy last night, one of their big guys last night. Don't know if he'll be back for the Clemson game. Um Vos, yeah, Vosman. that's early. That's early. Yeah, it's this Friday, seven o'clock. Yeah, yeah, so. that's early for us to play Clemson. We usually play them like five or six games into the season. Right, and I guess it was the only time that they could you know, come up with a uh, with a with a date that worked for the two of mm-hmm. them was this Friday yeah. night, which is, yeah. you know, I think they'll have a pretty good crowd. People are saying, well, the football team's out of town, but you know, that's only going to take five or six thousand people that would might come to the game who are going to be traveling uh, out of that. I, I, th- there's an opportunity to have 10, 12,000 people at that game. I don't see why they can't have 10, 12,000 people with the students on campus right. and all that. Mm-hmm. So, but I, you, Hey, one other thing. You know who Gigi reminds me of from the state of South Carolina in basketball? Who's that? Uh, Kevin Garnett. 
He's got all. Well, Kevin was six foot nine when he was in Malden High School. He grew a little bit more when he went to the NBA, but he's got all the tools, just like Kevin Garnett. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, he also yeah. kind of reminds me of who was the great player, the freshman at Auburn last year, is that Jabari Smith? Yeah, who was an yeah. early pick. Kind of reminds me of him too. You know, tall guy can stand out, handle, shoot the three, play inside. That kind of a talent. He's a very gifted, unique talent. Thank you very much. Yeah, he needs. Yeah, he needs to move uh, move without the ball more. Instead of standing around waiting for the ball to come to him. Yeah, good yeah. point. All right, thank you All very right. much. Thank you. Jimmy's um, spot on. you got to work that out of a freshman. I don't, and, and keep in mind, Gigi was the best player on the floor his entire high school career, so he's got to learn that. But I thought his point, Jimmy's point about Michi Johnson was huge. Keep in mind, Phil, when he got hurt in the first half, Carolina was about to blow the doors off SC State. They were up 15, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. He goes out of the game. SC State made a run, and they were able to keep it close pretty much the uh, rest of the contest. So I think Michi Johnson is going to be a, a really, really key weapon for them, and he's sort of that rudder for them that, at, at point guard because without him, Jacoby Wright, I thought, did a nice job running the offense, but I think Michi's better suited to do that than, than Jacoby Wright is. Benjamin Bozeman's Verdonk is the, the big that missed last night for South Carolina. Not sure yet if he'll be back. Tell you who else was kind of an interesting-looking player is Zachary Davis. Now, he's skinny as a rail. He's 6'8", 192, but he's got orange. He's got uh, point guard uh, skills, and he was out there a good bit last night, um, and he'll help them in some ways, but he's he is very thin, very thin young man. Um, all right, let's continue with the phone calls. 888-898-2525 is the number. We go uh, back up to Greenville. Kevin? Welcome into Sports Talk tonight. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? We're doing great, thank you. Good. I want to talk about the Florida Gators this Saturday. Okay. Um, you know, kudos to the Gamecock basketball team. Um, I like the matchups coming up with Clemson, Georgetown, and George Washington. Um, that's a good schedule for us. I like to see us win all those. But let's talk about the Gators. Um. This is a huge game for South Carolina and bowl implications. Uh, this could be the difference between going to Las Vegas December 10th, 17th for the Las Vegas Bowl or possibly playing in Jacksonville in the Gator Bowl. Uh, you know, we've got to figure a way to slow down Florida's offense. Um, I think we'll score. Um, I think they're good enough to, to put 24 to 27 points up on Florida. Um, the question is, is, can we hold them under that? Um, our defense has been our strong point this year. Um, you know, I go back to last Saturday. I love the fake field goal. Um, talk to Hemingway. I mean, what a catch. Hey, let's move him to fullback and throw to him some more. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. this guy rumbled down the field like it was nobody's business. Um, but I think the pressure this week is on Marcus Satterfield. I think he has to come up with a solid game plan. And, you know, it kind of puzzles me that he's on the sideline and not in the booth. Um, most of your offense coordinators are in the booth. Um, I'm sure he's got competent coaches up there, but it's kind of a strange mix. You know, you, you seem to see a lot more of matchups and defensive schemes when you're up top. You know, you get a better view of the field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that might be a change they want to look at. But I'm excited that Carolina is at six games at this point. Everybody had us losing to Kentucky. Everybody had us losing to Texas A&M. Most people 
beating Missouri. But other than that, we're where we thought we would be. Uh, so, you know, kudos to Beamer and the recruiting class. Looks so like it's doing pretty well. So, go Cox. Uh, and when Tennessee comes, let's do a blackout. Um, you know, I remember the great Joe Morris and the blackout days and, uh, you know, the fire ant defense and, and everything he did for Carolina. I'd like to see us get back to that tradition. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate your phone call. Can the Gamecocks score? Yeah, they yep. scored 40-something points on Florida last year. They ran the ball like crazy. They had about uh, 300 yards rushing. They had two go over 100 yards on the ground. And Florida's defense is giving up 441 yards per game and about 185 of that on the ground. Why don't you attack Florida on the ground? Why don't you put Jaheim Bell in the backfield if Marshawn Lloyd's not healthy and do what you did last week and give him the football? See if he can run the ball. We'll ask Chuck Reedy about that coming up. Chuck Talk. Well, let the record show that I paid for lunch today when Coach Johnson and I went out for lunch. This is the difference of how things work. When Coach Johnson and I go out for work, I pick up the check. When I go down to visit Coach Reedy at one of his great restaurants, he provides the food. So I eat off of him. That's how it works. Good evening. Michael Myers now pay pay for lunch? He didn't sit around. He didn't sit around with his new best friends, his new BFFs. What a shame. What a shame. Coach Johnson, how are you? Welcome into Chalk Talk. Good to talk to you again a few hours after we had bread. I'm doing fine, and I told you that we're going to have another lunch, and it's going to be on me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm not guilting you in anything. It was nice meeting your best your BFF, Michael Myers, today. <laughs> it was crazy that you knew exactly who he was, and the first time I met him, I thought that was his real name. I said, Mike, nice to meet you. <laughs> but anyhow, it was a fun time. He, uh, it was a good time. We'll, we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. he's quite um, the athletic-looking person, too. I mean, I talked to him about – he's about 6'2", I think he said, and uh, could play a little football, and he stays in shape because he's all, he also does stunts. He's a stuntman in the movies. Yeah, does a lot more of that, actually, than the, than the movies you would know him in. But uh, – at 65 years old, that's pretty impressive. Indeed. Speaking of aged wonders, welcome in, Coach Reedy. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, Bill. Doing great. And how was uh, how was France? France was great. We had a very nice time. Uh, there were there were there were there were no sports bars with football college football on in, in Paris. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> I looked. You looked. <laughs> there was no. There was no such thing. Well, I have found the French people to be marvelous people. They were very nice. I, I was actually, I always heard how rude they were. They were very, very nice, very helpful, very accommodating. Uh, no, it was a very nice trip. Good. Well, we're glad you're back. Uh, Ellis, let's jump into uh, Clemson defense. And what went wrong against uh, Notre Dame? Were they just 
overmatched? Is that possible to say about this Clemson defense? They were overmatched up front by Notre Dame's line in their running game? I can feel I thought there was a difference in the game both sides of the ball up front. And I mean, you know, Chuck talked about the offense, but that was the game. But uh, I was surprised at how bad it was. Uh, they gave it 263 yards rushing, and Notre Dame didn't even get to 100 yards passing and still put up 35 points. Now, I know a lot of it was because of struggles in other areas, but, mm-hmm. you know, they gave up 263 yards and they had zero to two turnovers. And, uh, it's a formula for disaster. I don't think they played as well as they can play. I have no explanation for it. I, I really think that they'll play better down the stretch, but it's all of a wake-up call. And I, I was concerned about them going up there, but not this kind of a loss. Yeah. And Chuck, on the offensive side now, here we go again, pulling the quarterback, putting in the number two guy, and he doesn't stay out there very long, and they go back to the number one guy. What kind of situation are they putting themselves in here with the quarterback situation? Well, yeah, I think they're they're playing with fire, you know, and, you know, you <laughs> – you put you put the freshman in in a terrible situation. I mean, backed up, and you know, and then the second play, you know, you you he he rolls to his left, and you know, throws across his body. I mean, it, 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 as Ellis said, a recipe for disaster, and it was. Mm-hmm. And then they took him and and put put uh, DJ back in. Um, you know, I, I think they, you know, I think they're really uh, scrambling right now to try to find somebody that can, uh, you know, generate some offense. And, you know, I, I don't know that either one of them can, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the freshman may be a good player down the road, but, you know, he's done nothing to indicate that he's the guy that can go out there and win a game for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he hadn't done that. Um, maybe he will at some point. But you know, um, when you when you look back at, at at Deshaun Watson and and Trevor Lawrence, I mean, those guys immediately you knew they could do it. They did it. Mm. We haven't seen that from Klubnik. You know, you just hadn't seen it. Um, and, you know, as far as DJ goes, you know, here we are at the end of this of the second season. He's not much different than he was. You know, at the beginning of last season, you know, he may, he has made some progress, but he's still, you know, he, he's not a guy, you know, he's not a playoff guy, a guy that's going to get them to the playoffs. What have you seen in the last two games compared to the first seven? And they had, you know, some close calls in there, but they won those games. And, um, or I guess it was really the, well, the first seven, he struggled in game eight, and uh, they, they switched out. So last two games have been struggles for him. The first seven, he, he looked like he was on top of his game and, and knew what he was doing and knew what he was trying to do. Now, what what switch has been flipped the other direction to make him regress to what he looked like last year? Well, I don't have an answer for that. Uh, but you know, I, I think you know, as you said, they've been playing with fire all year. I mean, and and you know, sooner or later they were going to get burned. But you know, he, and and he had gotten better. But it wasn't like you know, uh, you know, all of a sudden he was a great quarterback. Um, you know, 
just been able to you know to 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 get through some games and and, and get some wins and, and and he you know he did some good things, but you know now it's kind of reverted back to to what it was a year ago. And you know and looking at the offense, you know Ellis you know uh, nailed it. You know you you go you watch them and and I mean I didn't get to see it on Saturday, but I watched the replay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I mean they're a sideways football team. I mean they're they're throwing the ball. Behind the line of scrimmage, I mean, you know, you don't get physical doing that. You get physical running the ball north and south and, and what have you. And, and you know, they're a sideways team. I mean, you know, they're lateral. I mean, and, uh, you know, and it showed. I mean, when, when they, you know, they, they just can't establish, didn't establish a line of scrimmage. And, you know, um, you know, they're just, they're not a very physical football team. And, you know, every time, if you think about it, when they get out of the, the ACC and they play somebody like Notre Dame, which is like they did two years ago, the same thing happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they were physically overmatched. And, and when they, you know, and, and, and that's what's happened uh, last year against Georgia. When they get out of the ACC, they're just not physical enough, you know, to beat the good football teams, I don't think. Ellis, uh Looking at Clemson's defense against Notre Dame some more, what did you see from uh, the front seven there, the defensive line, linebackers, uh, that uh, where they came up short in trying to stop the run? Um, bad tackling, poor angles, uh, couldn't get off blocks. W- what did you see from that group? Well, I just the biggest thing is that the two sides were feeding off of each other. Their offense is going three and out defense back out there, et cetera, et cetera. But Chuck and I are kind of beating around the same points. They got beat up front on both sides of the ball. And I don't think it was quite as bad on the defensive side, but they gave up plays in the perimeter too. And some of these things have happened during the course of the year. But against the type of teams they were playing, it would be like a lapse, you know, a spell or two series, if you will where they were, you know, having the same issues. but And I think Notre Dame is a better football team than everybody thinks they are. Uh, they don't have a quarterback that's very dynamic. And so they lost to Marshall at home and had another ugly loss early in the season. I think they, I think they've won four or five games in a row coming in. And we all know that Notre Dame's got talent. In, in, on, on any year, you know, they've recruited, you know, in, in the national top 10 or 15 every year. Mm-hmm. So they've got talent. They just haven't had real good quarterback play, and so they've lost to some teams they shouldn't have lost to. But they sort of found out who they were, and like like you said, they they control the, the line of scrimmage, and they couldn't get them off the field. They averaged five point six yards a carry, and and that's two hundred eighty three yards. That's that's it. Yeah, Pat has uh, shared a note here with us, Chuck, and that is uh, first quarter Clemson against Notre Dame and. Uh, Uyangale was 9 for 10, but none for more than five yards downfield. Five of the 10 were behind the line of scrimmage. So exactly as you said, is that also the result of what's happening at the wide receiver position where, I mean, I think Antonio Williams has got great talent and has a chance to be a a terrific player in the future, but uh, maybe across the board, it's a major step down from what they're used to at wide receiver? Uh, As I was watching the game, Antonio Williams is best receiver they got, and he's a freshman. So the, the, that tells you something right there. Mm. I mean, they got a bunch of they got a bunch of average guys out there. They don't have anybody that can really stretch the field, 
And, and, you know, and so, you know, and, and if you look at their passing game, it's either behind the line of scrimmage or it's a, it's a deep throw, usually overthrown. There's, there is no intermediate passing game. I mean, you don't see any, any balls thrown over the, you know, over the middle of the field, you know, it, it, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. And, and maybe that's because they don't want to put DJ in that position. I don't know, but, but I just know that you know you're not gonna you're not gonna win beat any good football teams, uh, you know throwing the ball sideways all all night. You know you, you, you just doesn't happen. And uh, and the same thing in their running game. You know they do. You know when the best thing they got is to hand the ball to Shipley. You know straight ahead. You know the inside outside zone, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You know, but but they're they're running. You know all this lateral stuff sideways. You know. You know, it's, it's, you, yeah, you can beat you know you can beat people in the ACC. You're not going to beat good football teams. Let's shift gears. South Carolina, they go to Vanderbilt and bounce back from their uh, really bad performance against Missouri, and they get a nice win over Vanderbilt. Kind of regained their confidence, got a little more strut in the step. Had some good moments on offense, defense, and the special teams. Uh, Chuck, I. Uh, was at the press conference today for the coordinators, and one thing asked of Coach Limbo, their special teams coordinator, are they in the heads of their opponents, their special teams? Have they reached that point where the other teams now always have to prepare extra time for South Carolina and the special teams and what they might do? His answer was absolutely, and that's a win for them. If they're fo- – if they're fo- forcing other teams to spend time worrying about and preparing for the special teams, that's a win for South Carolina. Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, I mean, that's probably, you know, probably been the strongest area of their football team has been their special teams. And, uh, no, they've done a great job there. And, and um, um, you know, no no doubt about it. I, I, I just was thinking back when, when we played Florida State, first time we played them, you know, we we spent so much time <laughs> worrying about them blocking a kick mm. that we punted it and De- and uh, Dion ran it back for a touchdown <laughs> because we 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 were so uh, worried about them blocking a kick. You know, but but point being, yeah, we spent a bunch of time worrying about that and 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 time practicing on that, and yeah, it does take away. From, you know, you, you've only got so much time on the field. So, yes, yeah. um, obviously that's true. Let me ask you a quick question as a follow-up. Back in your days, you know, coaching and you'd play uh, Florida State and you'd play Virginia Tech from time to time as well. So you had yep. Beamer and you had uh, Ed Bowden and their reputations mm-hmm. for special teams like you're talking about. Which one, though, was more uh, – did you fear more? What, what Beamer was doing, the Beamer ball with his special teams or what Bowden was doing with his special teams? Well, Bowden had Bowden had a lot uh, a lot better talent, <laughs> and um, you know again they always had a guy back there whether you know it be Buckley or whether it be Dion or whoever the you know Warwick or whatever they had guys that you know that could take it to the house in in, in a minute, and and they had great athletes that you know that could block a punt as well, um, but no both of them you know both of them. Um, you know, had great success, and special teams were a big part of that. 
John Greedy and Ellis Johnson with us here tonight on Sports Talk as we go through another round of Chalk Talk. And uh, Coach Johnson, speaking of the uh, Gamecocks and their defense, uh, struggled here the past couple of weeks, certainly even against Vanderbilt, slowing down the run game. And in the postgame, Shane Beamer talked about it was a, a twofold problem. First off, it, they didn't tackle all that well. And secondly, he talked about they need to do a better job fitting the run. We hear that so often from coaches, but I, I'm not sure I understand exactly what he's saying. And I, I'm curious if our listeners do as well. So can you explain what coaches mean when they're talking about fit, run fits and fitting the run defensively? Yeah, run fit basically says the, the guys on the second level, linebackers and if the safety's down, involved in it. They have to understand the front, and they have to have some kind of concept of the blocking scheme that pops up in their face when they run the play against them, and where they've got to fit with the defensive lineman and the blocking scheme. And, uh, you know, sometimes defensive lines kicking people's rear ends up front, it's easy to find those fits. When they're getting knocked off the ball or zoned out, what I call by that is they've been overreached, whether it shouldn't be overreached or they're getting cut off where they shouldn't get cut off then it makes it tougher on the linebackers. So, I mean, what he's trying to say is they're not, they're not stopping runs up in the inside, and as a result, they don't have very good play on the perimeter either because they're having to get more people involved, more extra safety in the box, et cetera. Uh, but it, it, it didn't – I wasn't totally shocked with Missouri mm-hmm. because I think Missouri's got some pretty good players in that aspect. The quarterback's not a great quarterback, but he's a pretty good runner. And they had a good running back. But Vandy, I did not understand. So it was kind of a tale of two cities. They gave up 226 yards rushing and 450 yards, but they did get four takeaways. And so I, I don't think it was a terrible day for the defense, but I'm worried because when they go down to Florida, Anthony Richardson's starting to play better. He had a spell from second game to about third, fourth, fifth game, just could not throw the football. He was getting it turned over. He wasn't. They wouldn't let him throw for a while. And now he's had a couple of pretty good games. Uh, so if they can't improve in the run stop, they're going to have problems because Anthony Richardson probably could be a little bit better than what that has got. Mm. Well, they have been a team most of the season that has been in, I think, the top ten in terms of percentage of blitzing. Is that something you would, if you were working with the defense right now, realizing they're having struggles dealing with the run and, and especially dealing with a mobile quarterback, do you not blitz as much maybe to help the linebackers in the secondary slow down the run, especially if Richardson breaks through the line of scrimmage? No, no. I, and, and if blitzing, you know, is, in my mind, blitzing is bringing seven or eight people in a pass situation. Mm-hmm. Run fires and run shoots, you know, are doing five people or six people to stop runs and get people's feet stopped in the backfield and get some tackles for loss, et cetera. If these things are done in a timely fashion when you call them and they're practiced and they're getting results from them, they're not dangerous. I, I, I really have watched them some enough to know I don't think they're going to stop SEC teams, really good, solid teams in the SEC, playing with four down, two linebackers, and, you know, against three wides, you can't get your safety in there sometimes. I don't think they're going to be effective stopping the run. So I think he's doing the right thing. He's mixing it up. He's bringing some heat here and there. And they're, they're run stoppers sometimes. But I think on third down now, they, I think the turnovers are there, if I'm not, not uh, mistaken, I think, with DBs, because those fumbles have got pits, obviously. But, Anyhow, I, I think he's doing the right thing with his personnel. 
Chuck, USC offense against uh, Vanderbilt. Now you got to take into uh, consideration who they were playing, a very poor defensive team. But they did some good things, had a bunch of big plays. I think Rattler felt like he had his best game. Didn't have huge numbers as far as yardage, but protected the football, uh, had a good percentage, seemed to put the ball where it needed to be most times, had a couple of uh, really impressive throws. Uh, they got the ball to um, to Bell, as I predicted. I predicted 20 times. He touched it 19 times. So what would you think? What would you think of the offense? Is Rattler kind of rounding into form here in the uh, latter stages of the season? Well, you know, it was the right formula for them. He threw the ball, I think, 25, 23, 24, five times. Which you know we've said all year. I mean, don't he doesn't need to be throwing it more than that. And they were able to run the ball fairly effectively, even without Lloyd. Now I don't think that Bell. I, you know, I, I don't think his role is as a running back. Now I know they were gonna they were gonna get the ball in his hands after everything that happened last week and what's what everything that was said. But um, you know, get Lloyd back and then get Bell out there and use him as a receiver like he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the formula that they need offensively. Don't put it – don't put the, the burden on Rattler. And if you don't put it on him and just let him, you know, be a part of the offense but not be the guy that they're depending on, you know, to, to win the game for them, then, then I think they got a chance. It just seems to me, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, well, two things. Well, two questions here. One real quick, but I'll combine them into two questions. Uh, and a caller brought this up earlier. Uh, Satterfield's on the sidelines coordinating the offense. Is that wise? Number one. Number two. It seems like he calls a different game against an opponent the Gamecocks should beat versus an opponent the Gamecocks are underdogs against and may be overmatched against. So respond to those two questions. Well, number one, you know, everybody has their own way of calling a game. I preferred to be in the box. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, up there, obviously you can see better. And and you, I, I just felt like you were a little bit, you know, kind of isolated from everything going on on the field. Um and yeah, it's a lot easier to call a game when you when you're playing somebody you should win uh, or should beat, um, you know, than it is to play when you're then playing Georgia. I mean, those are the ones that are tough to call. But um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe you know. I think sometimes when when you're playing somebody that's not very good, you know, you're a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more wide open, a little you feel a little bit, you know, you you don't feel quite the pressure that you do against somebody that, you know, that, that that's good. And so, you know, I'm sure that's the case with him as well. Okay. Uh, our final minutes, let me get y'all's take on the rankings from last night. Ellis, what did you think of what the committee did last night? I, I think they've kind of hit everything correctly, and I think it's been done long enough, enough years, you know, I think everybody's realizing it doesn't matter that much where you put teams right now, except that you have to at least – Make sure the really good teams that deserve being there don't get pushed too far down the ladder or you can't bring them back in. But I can't argue with anything they've done so far. I, mean, I think it's all been pretty accurate. Uh, Chuck, get your thoughts on that as well. Plus, Boo Corrigan 
NC State AD, who is the, the chairman of the committee, he's giving some very weird answers to questions about why teams are where they are. I mean, like, he's talking about, like, relationships between coordinators and quarterbacks. And he said something last night. I got to go back and look for it. It had something to do with uh, the way somebody was playing. It just. He seems to be. They seem to be digging in real deep on on relationships and things like that inside of a team, applying that to the thought process of where they should be ranked. Well, you know, <laughs> they they may be getting, uh, you know, maybe trying to get a little bit too, um, you know, too complicated with this whole thing. I mean, just you know, just <laughs> let's just go. And, 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 you know, and, and let's do it that way. Let's don't get into the weeds here too much. But, you know, like, then I, I don't, and he probably shouldn't be saying a whole lot of anything anyway. Yeah. They should just get it out and let it go with that. You know, I think the, the less said by those guys, the better. I would agree. I'm trying to find that quote from last night that had been uh, reported by people as being just a little bit, Odd. The, the, some of the things they're, uh, they're they're looking at at these teams uh, to try to identify which ones are the best. But uh, quickly, Chuck, though you you pretty much you you agree with where the top four are right now? Oh, I do. I mean, it, it's obvious. Um, you know, we're going to have you're going to have you know you're going to you're going to have two SEC teams, I think, and you're going to have obviously Michigan or Ohio State, and then you're going to have one from the either the Big Twelve or the Pac Ten or Pac-12, whatever that is out there now. All right, real I quick. Mean, that's what it looks like to me. All right, real quick. Can Clemson get in at 12-1, and one, either one of you? No. Possible. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, they don't have control of their own destiny right now. That's yeah. Guys. But if you want me to get Boo, I, let me get Boo Carrington's number. He knows a lot more about this than we do. <laughs> okay. Get him on and let him answer that you got it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Great being with you. Have a great rest of the week. Talk to you next week. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, we are back with you here on this Wednesday night. Been a very busy Wednesday night, rapidly moving Wednesday night. We go from Chalk Talk to Mike Talk. Time for a visit with Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. And, of course, Morgan on the move is brought to you by Played Against Sports in Columbia. Where Chris Mosley and his folks have you covered for all your sporting goods needs. They buy and sell quality used in new sports and fitness gear all day, every day. So check them out at their unmatched Harbison location, 1270 Bower Parkway. A busy Mike Morgan joining us here on Sports Talk as Mike has got some basketball coming up this week and also some football this weekend. He's going to get a chance to see Kentucky Basketball Friday, then Georgia-Mississippi State football on Saturday. So is it, from a broadcasting standpoint, I mean, when you're in the middle now of, of two seasons, do you find it hard to go back and forth between the sports? 
Yes. Yeah. The short answer to that would be yes, especially the first couple. I, I think there's always a, a transition when you're uh, doing a sport that you haven't done for a few months. Uh, I, I think that's always the first couple are always going to be the most difficult. And then, you know, when you go back to back days, it's, it's just a different flow and it's a different energy. And uh, one's TV, one's radio, as you know. So uh, it's, it's kind of a, a good old fashioned variety pack, but uh, it's this time of year, you go through that all the time. You know, you are juggling the two basketball, just kind of submarines right in there in the thick of football. And uh, we've just become accustomed to it. It'll be another uh, scenario this weekend and, and two fun ones to call. I mean, the final four team, I think they have a lot of revenge on their mind from a disappointing postseason. And then, of course, George was kind of a, a trap-type game that's mm-hmm. going to Starkville on a Saturday night against that offense. So I think uh, I think both will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Georgia, let's talk the football side of it. A uh, big uh, emotional win over Tennessee. They played so well, especially their defense. And the defense travels. That's what they say, defense travels. Uh, they will face a bit of a test in the passing game. How about Will Rogers? Um, he probably doesn't get the notoriety that he, he deserves being on a – Six and three team down in Starkville, but he can light up most any defense. But I think this, obviously, this Georgia defense is a cut above after what we saw last weekend against a great Tennessee offense. Yeah, I mean that's the beauty of the matchup. It's it's an offense that uh, just listening to Kirby Smart today and that he was talking about the Tennessee offense, the Mississippi State offense. While they're both explosive, they're they're entirely different. Tennessee tries to go with deep shots and beat you on that, whereas Mississippi State is more underneath and run after catch. And that's been the, the staple of a Mike Leach offense now for 20 years. Uh, they're, they're tough to prepare for. They do have a defense in Starkville, unlike some of those other teams that were a little softer and a little more finesse. So I, I think Kirby knows what he's up against. And, you know, it's the top two passers in the league. It's kind of interesting with all the hype surrounding all the other quarterbacks that number one and number two passers are in this game with, with Will Rogers and Stetson Bennett. Yeah. What was your take on the way Georgia beat Tennessee? Anything there surprise you? I mean, Tennessee's I, offense was just going gangbusters, so you had a great offense going up against a great defense, and obviously the, the great defense won the day there. I just think the nature of how they dominated that game, that, that score was misleading. Tennessee did virtually nothing when it counted. Uh, you know, it's the closest thing that, that you could have to a shutout without having a shutout. Yeah. They they, they, they kept Hendon Hooker, who was number one on a lot of Heisman lists out there. They held him to, without a touchdown. Uh, they, they took him out of their offense. They sacked him seven times. Uh, I think I think Tennessee averaged two yards a carry. I mean, everything that they did, uh, Tennessee had no answer for. Uh, and it just was a reminder that even though Georgia had five first-round draft picks from that defense last year, they're still incredibly good. And that's the mark of when, you, when you've reached an elite status as a program, it's, it's being able to lose that kind of talent and then not miss a beat the next year. And that's, that's what Nick Saban has done for years. Uh, and that's what Kirby is doing now in Athens. What's the appropriate way to look at the Alabama season and this Alabama team 
uh, because they've lost one game, field goal, final seconds, I guess, last play, whatever, and then another game, both on the road, and then overtime, two-point conversion, or just two-point conversion. Was it overtime? I can't remember. Was it overtime down LSU, or is it just a two-point conversion? Whatever the case may be. No, it was overtime. Okay, so they've lost field goal, overtime, but, I mean, a loss is a loss, I guess. But when you're still trying to think about the best teams in the country, uh, do you think there's any temptation by anybody on the committee there to, if Alabama wins it out to um, try to get them in no. there? No. No. Okay. No. Two, not a, not a two-loss team in a four-team playoff. Not not going to happen. Um, are, are they one of the top four talented teams? You could make that argument, but it, it doesn't matter. At, the, at that point – it's no longer a beauty contest. With one loss, it's a beauty contest. Mm-hmm. With two losses, it's not. So they're they're done. I mean they they are they are done. Uh, they're a good team with a terrific quarterback, but they're incredibly flawed and undisciplined and uh, on the back end of the defense. Uh, not to mention all the penalties. Uh, that's what that's what surprises me more than anything. Just to watch some of the the flawed technique of defensive backs that are. Uh, not looking back at the ball, but looking at the receiver when they commit unnecessary PI fouls. I mean, that, that's just not Nick Saban football, but that's the way they've played much of this year. Bryce Young is good enough to get my Heisman vote again, but he's, he, he, does, he hasn't had the help this year to be a national championship team. So they're, they're essentially done. You, you could be looking at an LSU-Georgia game in Atlanta, Um I don't. I give Brian Kelly a ton of credit because guy can flat out coach, and he's already that whatever they're paying him, they already got their money's worth with that result. You mean LSU Georgia for the SEC championship? Yeah, that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah, yeah. In Atlanta. Do you think a two loss LSU that goes and beats Georgia for the SEC championship? I know. I think Reese Davis. I think you tweeted this, Pat, or told me Reese Davis said the other night that he doesn't believe LSU would get in running the table and winning the SEC championship. What do you think? It would be chaotic. It would be because it's hard to think of a playoff that doesn't have the SEC champ in it. We haven't been faced with that kind of uh, dilemma since the playoff was introduced nine years ago, a two-loss SEC champion. But I tend to side with Reese on that. I just think Right now, there's too many other good teams that are going to have either zero or one loss. So uh, it'd I, be very, very hard to get in that way. Just adding to what Phil said, Reese Davis said this to the dismay or shock uh, of Scott Van Pelt during his show last night, but he went on to say not only does he not think LSU would make it even if they were to win the SEC championship, but he thinks that Georgia – even after losing the SEC championship game, would actually have a better chance of still reaching the playoff and then potentially even Tennessee. So he still thought there was a path to see two SEC teams make it, but neither of those being LSU. Well, I I kind of agree with that. Now, there's a lot of hypothetical in there, but but I think if, if Georgia gets to Atlanta undefeated, they're in. And if Tennessee just takes care of business, they're in. So I, I can see the logic there. Um, it's not automatic, and it would, it would force the committee to really uh, kind of anguish over that decision. 
gosh knows you don't want to deal with a, a bunch of ticked-off Cajun folks back in Louisiana, but <laughs> but you might have to do it. But, Mike, in that scenario, let's let's keep LSU in there as the SEC champions. And then from what Pat's saying about Georgia and Tennessee both getting in, how do you square that with the national pundits or even in fans across the country that not only is the conference champion not in, there's one that didn't even win their own division that's in the playoff? Well, now, we've had that before, right? I mean, we right. had that one of the Alabama national championships a few years ago. They didn't make it to Atlanta. They got in. The Joel Claps of the world huh. had a conniption. <laughs> and what did Alabama do? Alabama went in as a four seed and they won the national championship and the Joel Claps of the world wiped egg off their face for the for the rest of the offseason. Mm. Um, so there is precedent there that that could happen and I wouldn't be surprised if it does. But I mean look, we're <laughs> we're going down a heck of a hypothetical path to have LSU, first of all, make sure they get there, and then second of all, make sure they win the game. It could happen, but I, I'm not sure if uh, the odds are in that in the favor of that happening. So, not to continue down this path, don't mean for your head to explode here, Mike. But one more <laughs> hy- hypothetical. I'm already you. hurting. Hold on, let me get let me get the Tylenol. <laughs> there you go. Take a deep breath here. So, this question is more about timing for when losses occur. It seems like the later in the season you see a team, a contending team, lose, it is held against them more than if it's an opening season. And where I'm going with this is Oregon. Oregon. Exactly. They're 8-1 right now, number 6 in the country, leading the Pac-12. If they were to win, their only loss would be to Georgia to open the season. But they got destroyed. They got absolutely demolished, but it was the beginning of the year. They're not the same team. Their defense is better. Bo Nix is better. But then on the opposite side of that, I go with Ohio State and Michigan are both undefeated, but of course they still have a collision course against each other at the end of the season. If one of them were to lose, would that hurt them more, and could you see a one-loss Oregon then jump ahead of them just because of when they lost throughout the season? I I still think this has been a, a decent year for the Pac-10. Uh, it, it's, it's been a kind of a resurgent year. Southern Cal and UCLA are relevant again. Utah is good. Oregon is good. That being said, I don't know if the love affair for a one-loss Oregon would match a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State. I think it would be close, but I just tend to think that we're, we're living in an SEC Big Ten world in terms of conference cred and and in the case of Michigan, it's no longer a Johnny-come-lately. They, they did it last year. They got to the playoff last year. Ohio State's been a regular contender for the playoffs. So I think one of those would have an edge in the committee's mind. And, again, we're not we're, because we're hypothetical uh, here, I don't know what the, the margin of victory is. I don't know how each team looked. I mean, so we're just going on really generic parameters on, on making that call. I think it would be extremely close. But I, I think it'd be the one-loss Big Ten team over the one-loss Oregon team, even though the, the loss of the Big Ten would come later in the year, as you kind of laid out. Not so fast, my friend, before we get off this topic. So let's look yeah. at Clemson here. All right, let's just uh, say... How did I know you were going there? Let's just say the Tigers win their next five. Uh, their next four, I'm sorry. Three in the regular season. 
11 and 1. They beat North Carolina in all likelihood in the ACC championship game. They're sitting there 12 and 1. All right. I think TCU will lose to Texas in Austin this weekend. All right. So there's their loss. And then Ohio State, Michigan, they're going to have at least one loss. One of those teams will have at least <clears throat> one loss. So that eliminates another undefeated team. There's no other undefeated teams. There'll be two undefeated teams at best, Georgia and either Ohio State or Michigan. Let's just say Ohio State. Say Georgia and Ohio State are the only two undefeateds. And there's Clemson 12-1 and one with Clemson's reputation. I mean, they're, they've won two national championships in six years. Should they not be looked at as a one-loss Alabama team would be looked at? Should they not just slide right past everybody else back into the top four? This is the beauty of local talk radio. You can you can look at it this way through the through those lenses, and yes, they'll be considered as a one loss team. Mm. Um, I just I don't like where are the quality wins. They they looked they did not look good at all against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is not a great team. Mm. And the ACC has, has had a disappointing year. So where where are we where are we getting the the metrics that are going to help put Clemson over the top? What, what's it What's it going to be? Uh, a dominating win in the ACC championship game? Well, I, I, I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know. According to Boo Kerrigan, it sounds like, you know, he considers hairstyles and uh, girlfriends as part of the uh, selection process, you know? How's <laughs> yeah. your, who's got yeah. the pretty girlfriends? And how's your, I mean, you read some of the comments. I mean, they're doing a deep, a deep dive into some of this stuff besides just looking at X's and O's. Yeah, I, I mean, look. These are impossible questions to answer what the 13 people in that room are going to think. I just don't think this is a great year for, to, for Clemson to have one loss and a, and a bad, not, not a bad loss in terms of competition, but a bad loss in terms of they didn't play well at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody in the Clemson camp would tell you that. And so that is, in, in, in a year like this where you're going to have potentially three, four, maybe five quality one-loss teams, you know, you're, you're separating Nat Dung out of Pepper. And where does Clemson stand in that equation? Who, who, who do you have? Left? Like, what's, what's left on the schedule that you can say, okay, you win this game convincingly, you're going to force the committee to take notice? What are we separating? Nat Dung out of Pepper. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Nat Dung out of pepper. Okay, I'm stealing. I'm stealing that line from the movie JFK. Yes, uh, and I'm cleaning it up for your show. Hey, yeah, we appreciate that. Speaking of movies, guess who the corn had lunch with today? (laughs) Not really had lunch, but but met at lunch today. Guess who I met today? De Niro, Robert De Niro. Ooh, better than that. Uh, Paulie Shore. How about wow, Michael Myers, (laughs) the actor. You did not. He, you did not eat with Michael Myers. We didn't eat, but we. I'll send you the picture. We met at lunch. He's where? He's from Columbia. At at, at, at the Fazoli's and in, uh, no, in Blythewood. It, it, no, it was at a restaurant in Columbia, and uh, he's from Columbia. He's friends with Ellis Johnson through their chiropractor, and uh, he comes walking in. He and Ellis and I are having lunch, and he's. Goes over and comes over and speaks to Ellis. Ellis says, "You know who this is?" I go, "Well, no." He goes, "It's Michael Myers." And I said, "Halloween, Michael Myers?" You know, yeah. The guy who played his name is James Courtney. He's from Columbia. He played Michael Myers in 
Halloween 18 and Halloween the end. And I (laughs) met him. That, that is impressive. You you obviously have reached a new strata of uh, celebrity, that's, and I admire you even more than before. That's bigger than meeting Stallone coming off the set of Cobra. Well, I don't know about that, but I have to say, you're the disease, and I'm the cure, Phil Cornblow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, you have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Good night. See ya. Tip your waiter on the way out or waitress, whatever the case may be. Morgan loves to slip into his Cobra impersonations. Go That's ahead, blow great... it up. I don't shop here anyway. And I love the movie JFK, and I'm not a movie buff, as I was telling you earlier, Phil, but that's a great reference to a scene where Kevin Costner's character is flying with uh, one of the uh, senators uh, from Washington. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how the uh, Warren Commission report was basically trying to pull, you know, Nat Dung out of, <laughs> out of stuff. I've yeah, never... Out of pepper, uh... yep. I've seen that and movie. That's, bits that's and not the quote from the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's not the quote from the movie. Thankfully, uh, Mike couldn't say the quote from the movie. That's great. We're going to hit the break here on Sports Talk, and uh, we'll be right back. Maybe squeeze in a couple of calls. Don't go away. Plenty of time still to come here on Sports Talk. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 809-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, hunting is very popular across the state of South Carolina, Major Downer. What things should our hunters be thinking about before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. Whether it's turkey season or deer season, hunters always need to be aware of the target. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Hi, I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and I've got a great gift idea that requires zero shopping, the gift of college savings. Future Scholar, South Carolina's 529 college savings plan makes it easy. 
Grandparents, friends, and family can all contribute to a Future Scholar account and know that they're providing a gift that will last a lifetime. If you're looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, look no further. Learn more about the smart, easy way to save and give this holiday season at futurescholar.com. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax, win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. you seen halloween the end or is it the end of halloween how's what's the title the ha- halloween, halloween the ends how end. halloween ends have you seen it mm, i have not yeah i think it's pretty gory at the end jamie lee curtis's last go around with uh, michael myers i'm, I'm sure it's pretty interesting well, but you know we've talked more about, about halloween tonight than we did a week ago monday that's true should, i wish you'd have met well, i didn't know him a week monday. ago cool. i wasn't yeah. his bff a week ago monday that'd been cool now you know Got me a new Hollywood friend that uh, I'm going to hang out with. I forget you people. Uh, let's go to uh, where are we going? Uh, Gamecock Larry. Oh, Gamecock Larry from Swansea. Welcome into Sports Talk. How you doing, Mister Phil? Good, sir. Uh, oh, Gator Ryan done took a couple shots at me, but I ain't worried about him. Gator Ryan, I'm just telling you something. Now, I ain't going to talk about the Gators none this week. I ain't going to say a word about you. But I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. We are coming to Florida, and we are coming to win, and we will win. That's all I'm going to say about the Gators. Mm. We're going to take care of the Gators. Mm. But I want to take a shot at Tennessee Mike. Tennessee Mike, I understand the Vol fans is upset because TCU got picked over you in the uh, 14 playoffs. Let me tell you something, Tennessee Mike. Don't get too upset now, cause I guarantee you, you gonna win one more. Oh, you gonna lose one more game. Guarantee you gonna lose one more game. And if you can't pick out who that is, I will tell you, we Gamecock is gonna have us a field night. Next Saturday night, you're going to have 12 false starts. And I don't know how many of y'all say, well, we're going to take care of you. Tennessee Mike, I'm calling you out. You got my number? You can call me back if you want to. All right. Gamecock Larry. Seems like Gamecock Larry's got an enemy on every SEC team that likes to call him in the middle of the night and bother him. But thank you for that. We'll be back after the break.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. And let's see here if I can. Um, well, I'll tell you what. While I look for this comment, I've been trying to hunt down from Boo Corrigan. As Bergie pointed out early in the show, big story of the day in the state, the injury to um, Grayson McCall going to cost the uh, Coastal Carolina quarterback probably the rest of the regular season at best. Yeah. Hopefully be back for um, – a championship game in the Sun Belt, but you were involved today with the uh, conference call, video conference call, Zoom call with Jamie Chadwell. Yeah, and actually, he—that's uh, when they broke the news. They've been sitting on this, it appears, for a couple of days. They knew this was coming, and they officially came out with a release at the same time that uh, Jamie Chadwell dropped the uh, bombshell on everybody during the uh, media gathering at noon today. And the funny thing was, Phil, and I say funny, sort of is a curious moment. Jamie's got a really good sense of humor. So when he sat down so matter-of-factly and he said, I just want to announce that Grayson McCall will be out three to six weeks, mm. I kept waiting for the rim shot to follow. And, you know, the joke of I was just w- wanted to make sure you guys were paying attention. But mm. uh, unfortunately for Coastal, no joke, he is going to be out the uh, next three to six weeks, which will cost him the uh, rest of the regular season. And if that six-week time frame is accurate, that would also mean should Coastal qualify for the uh, Sunbelt Conference title game, he would not participate in that either. And then it starts putting a bowl game in perhaps jeopardy. He suffered a, a foot injury in the uh, third quarter of the Appalachian State game. And earlier today, as part of his weekly press conference, that was the bulk of the news coming out of Coastal today, the loss of Grayson McCall for the remainder of the regular season. Here is his head coach, Jamie Chadwell. Let me open up with uh, Grayson. Uh, We'll be out three to six weeks. Um, We've uh, spent the last five days uh, rehabbing, meeting with our doctors and getting their expertise that if he could play, uh, you know, through uh, he suffered a foot injury in the third quarter of the Appalachian State game. And uh, we spent the last five days seeing if he could play. Uh, if he could, what was the uh, chance of him hurting himself worse? Uh, and the risk for him to play is just too great right now. So he'll be out three to six weeks. Uh, obviously, we're disappointed, uh, you know, with that. Uh, I know he's disappointed. Um, you know, he really want to be obviously part of this last home game, specifically a senior day. But uh, we know that um, we're not going to be able to replace, you know, him per se and, and what he's been able to do. But our, our guys have a lot of confidence uh, in, uh, in Bryce as a quarterback, obviously Jared Guest, our other quarterback, uh, to come out and perform at a high level. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll move forward from there. As we move forward to the game, we know we got a uh, really good opponent coming in that's hungry to get bow eligible. We have uh, 22 seniors that will be going through uh, a senior day, so it's uh, always an emotional day when you when you run out of the tunnel for the last time here at home. Uh, and so there's going to be a lot of emotion for that game and, and uh, a lot of things going on. But our guys understand the importance of of uh, what it needs, what we need to do, uh, obviously to win the game. We win the game. We're East Division champions, uh, which is a big deal. We put ourselves in that position. Those players have and. Uh, we expect them to come out and you know, play well, uh, obviously, versus a quality opponent. Um, you know, looking forward to Saturday, hopefully having a great crowd at Brooks. Uh, I would encourage our students in the community. This, this group of, of, of seniors has been part of a, a lot of success here, uh, and I hope we can send them out in a home game in a, in a great way with having a great crowd being behind them and, and help. Uh, the last time we won, the East Division was on the road, and so we have an opportunity to win it here at home. And it'd be great to do that in front of great fans. So I, I hope everybody in the community will come out and, and support this team. Jamie, when you say three to six weeks, uh, are you hoping that there's a possibility 
Grayson could come back for the conference championship if, of course, you're in one, and then maybe um, more so likely to come back for a bowl game, given that that would be give you guys a month and a half, or so to speak, before bowl game. Well, you know, from what the doctors have said, the the healing process for his type of injury there in the foot is uh, three to six. Could be three, based off if everything goes well. Obviously, the 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 longest they gave us was six. Was there opportunity potentially he could play through it as well? We discussed that and all those things. Uh, but uh, we'll leave it open to him and his rehab. I know he's going to rehab well. I know the doctors will, will do everything they can to get him back as quickly as possible. But the main thing, obviously, is we're not going to rush him back, um, you know, for anything that could where he could put himself in position to hurt himself worse. Uh, that's the time frame that they gave us. Uh, as I said, the last since Friday, once we knew, you know, had an idea what it was going to be, um, you know, potentially we met with different, you know, our doctors, our, our, our medical team did a fantastic job. We rehabbed, did the different things there over the last few days to see when could he play, if he couldn't, how long does he, he need off. Uh, and that's uh, that was the process we went through, and that's the, the time frame that they gave us. Um, some guys heal quicker than others. Sometimes it takes longer. Uh, knowing him, he'll push hard to come back to play. I know he'll want to play one game for sure, hopefully more than that. Uh, we'll just have to see how he reacts to the, you know, the rehab and all those things. How do you – kind of move forward with the quarterback position then? Will you be a combination like Jared and Bryce, or will it be more so Bryce the starter? How are you guys kind of planning on this? Well, uh, you know, Bryce has played a lot of football for us. And so uh, one of the reasons, you know, obviously he came back is to, to for the opportunity to play, you know, with his team and be a part of it again. And so uh, it's not like he's not started. It's not like he's not been involved with that. Jared hadn't played as much, you know, obviously. I played a little bit earlier this year, but he's somebody that we believe in as well. Um, and uh, – but – you know, having obviously having Bryce that's played in big games gives our team confidence. But I know I know our team's got confidence, Jared as well. I know they have confidence in each other, and uh, we'll play. You know, we'll play it out obviously this uh, through you know through practice and things. But knowing that you've had somebody that started that's played a lot, uh, you know, gives you confidence. We know we're not replacing Grayson McCall. Everybody's know that, uh, but we also know we've got really good players around us. Uh, that, uh, you know, that they have the opportunity to go out and sort of make their own name as well. How do you change the game plan for uh, Carpenter, um, given that he brings you a, somewhat of a different dynamic uh, to the position uh, from a running standpoint because you've already been using him in that capacity? Um, but do you change the game plan at all to fit him, or is it more so he has, you know, going to change – the way you guys want the game plan to change? Well, uh, we have to play to their strengths. And so that means we have to change some of the things that we do to play to their strength. That's what we got to do. Uh, I think that's the, the main thing. We, we feel obviously good about, you know, the offensive players that we have. But if Bryce can't execute a certain thing, we can't do that. We got to do what we feel he does well because then that's how he's going to play his best. So uh, will it take away from, you know, maybe certain plays, this or that? Probably because maybe he doesn't do it, does it does that type of thing well, but maybe does something else better. And so we'll have to adjust that uh, so he can be his best in the way he that he plays. Um, but um, anytime that you have an injury somewhere, you have to change certain things. When we had our injuries at running back, we had to run maybe a few different plays than we wanted to because we had to fit what they were good at. And so, you know, that's part of coaching as well. Uh, and, and we've obviously been working through that. We had an idea that we were going to, get this type of news over the weekend as far as, hey, this could potentially could be it, so we need to prepare for it. So we've been preparing for that. It's not like we just found out or we started preparing today, hey, we're not going to have uh, our quarterback. So we started preparing that game plan based off of not having him. 
Uh, and then if you had him, it was, you know, status quo. If you didn't, these are things that we think we can do well with, you know, with the quarterback. All right, Jamie Chadwell, some of what he had to say, all of it's on our website, sportstalksc.com. Finally found that comment that I was looking for from Boo uh, Corrigan, and he said at the very end of the conference call last night, asked a question on why Southern Cal is ranked ahead of uh, UCLA, and he said, quote, I think the one-point loss by Southern Cal at Utah going for two, and this is where people kind of jumped on him, the emotion of that game is something that the committee certainly has talked about, the job that Caleb Williams has done with the 28 touchdown passes, one of the top offenses in the country, putting up 41 points. So anyway, the point is the emotion of that game. I mean, are they are they cutting it down to the point where they're looking at emotions of particular games and – uh, touchdown passes by quarterbacks, and I mean, I, you do look at the numbers, you look at the stats, and all that. But I just, I found that, and apparently others did too, to be a little bit out of the norm to hear him talking about the emotion of a particular well, if that's game. The bench, you know, if that's the benchmark field, then just put four SEC teams in every year. That's Georgia, right. Tennessee, How about LSU, the emotion of that? Uh, yeah, you know, it Alabama LSU more. game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously, I mean, that's craziness. Yeah, I, to hear that as part of the rationale, the emotion of that game. Okay, uh, shift gears here. Go to Clemson. Comments from defensive coordinator Wes Goodwin this week, talking with the media primarily about what the heck happened to your defense at Notre Dame. Learn what you had to learn from Saturday night. Flush it and move forward after after that. Yeah, definitely. And can't can't let it beat us twice. You know, every every goal that we have is still attainable. Um, the only thing is, we won't be undefeated, obviously. But um, the next goal is to win the division. We're tied at the moment, so Saturday is a huge opportunity to to fully clinch the division. And uh, after that, get to the state championship, win the ACC, win the closer. So <clears throat> all our goals are still at- attainable and out in front of us. Does that include potentially a college football playoff spot the way that you, ne- you never know how things are going to shake out? Yeah, college football, anything can happen. So the goal this week, get to 1-0 this week, and uh, we'll see how all that shakes out at the end. In your mind, what happened uh, Saturday night, and how do you kind of – Corrected before uh, this Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there was some some missed tackles. You know, uh, guys getting out of gaps, um, easily correctable stuff. Uh, just uh, guys learn learn what those issues were. You know, how do I transfer my my eyes once the motion? You know, just basic fundamental football that we just coach every day, and uh, guys will grow and learn from it and get better this week. Well, you've been talking about missed tackles and misfits for a while now. Just why are you still nine games in? Do you think that's such a, a big issue? Some of you guys haven't been able to correct. Yeah, I mean, I think I think credit to them. They they have some really good backs. So uh, you know, Seven's a, a big physical guy, and uh, just created issues from that standpoint. A couple times we had some guys free and free and holes, and just for whatever reason got stiff armed or, or slipped off and, and couldn't finish. So just a lot of a lot of easily fixable stuff, and just you know, just things that happen in the game um, that that guys can grow and learn from moving forward. You used to talk about misfits, but when they got leverage on you guys, got outside of you a few times, is that something within the scheme you feel like you have to fix, or is that just again gap responsibilities? 
Uh, gap responsibilities, um, a couple times pre-snap, we weren't aligned correctly, and we got that adjusted on the field, and, and uh, a couple other calls that showed up later on, but just easily fix fixable stuff, self-inflicted on us because we didn't align pre-snap to give ourselves a chance to be successful. Not that you, you, can't, you can't do this on this level, but are, are there times where you go, man, it's just like everything that could go wrong, did go wrong, and you just want to be like, I don't even want to watch that film. Let's just move on. Do you ever kind of feel that way that it just like this is a once in a, a while type of a thing and it just it just happened? No, I mean I I, I think there's always self reflection. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. So you go back and see the issues that need to be corrected and uh, move forward and and uh, fix those those mistakes and let's grow and learn from it. Um, you know, every, everybody's got, got to own it, um, myself included. Look back at, at what went wrong. I felt like last week was our best week of preparation all season. And uh, everybody felt really confident going into the game and, and, you know, the result that happened. But everybody's got to own it, grow from it, and get better as we proceed forward. What, what have you seen out of uh, Louisville's offense? Obviously, Cunningham's a dynamic player. Yeah, most definitely. I think this is the most athletic, probably fastest team we'll see all year. Huge, huge challenge, returning five starters up front. They're athletic. They, they want to be an outside zone team. Those guys, uh, you know, are, are recruited and developed for that scheme and do a tremendous job. You know, they got some really good running backs um, and uh, obviously know the quarterback, how huge of a challenge that is. And they're playing with a lot of confidence, really good tight end. Um, some guys at receiver that can, can knock the top off of it. And uh, it'll be a tre tremendous challenge this week. There you go. Comments from Wes Goodwin, you uh, Clemson's uh, defensive coordinator, talking about that loss to Notre Dame and looking ahead a little bit to this Saturday's game against Louisville. After the break, give you some recruiting tonight and also some uh, comments from USC basketball coach Lamont Paris following his first game, first official game, as head coach of the Gamecocks, he's off to a 1-0 start. You know Frank Martin's going to be back in the state next week. Got his team playing in that tournament at Coastal Carolina. Yeah, yeah. That's right, down at the uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational. Mm -hmm. Be right back. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty of barbecue. 
We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. All right, recruiting time here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells. Get out for that daily luncheon buffet. I plan to hit that up tomorrow. And looking forward to being over at Seawells. You should be there as well. 11 to 2, best daily luncheon buffet you'll find anywhere for only $13. Absolutely uh, delicious and good for you. Absolutely. Look at me. I'm still kicking after eating Seawells for about 35, 40 years. It's good for you. And for the very best in the catering business, let them come to your place or host your event at their location on Rosewood Drive. That, too, is Seawells. You can reach them at 803-771-7385. So USC lost a commitment last night. Cornerback Carson Hobbs in the 24 class of Cincinnati decommitted, and then today he committed to Notre Dame. He was there over the weekend. And he had been committed to the Gamecocks since uh, back on July 29th. But he picked up in popularity, and now he's headed to Notre Dame. A USC target running back Khalifa Keith was offered by Miami. 2024 defensive end Dylan Stewart of Washington, D.C. has named USC's his current favorite in a story by Chad Simmons of On3. USC target tied in defensive end Nicholas Harper has set defi- uh, December officials with LSU, Maryland, and Miami. USC commitment, offensive tackle Isaiah Jada offered by Maryland. 2024 defensive end Edric Houston of Buford, Georgia, named the top 10. Clemson, Oregon, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Tennessee, LSU, and South Carolina had also offered him. USC target 24 receiver Terrence Moore Jr. of Tampa, offered by Florida State and Miami. USC target linebacker Devin Smith of Brunswick, Georgia, offered by North Carolina. 
2024 Woodland offensive tackle Cam Pringle plans to visit Florida this Saturday. 2025 offensive tackle Mal Waldrop, 6'5", 295 of Columbus, Georgia, plans to visit Clemson on Saturday. Today's the first day of the early signing period for all sports except football. USC men signed their commitment, 6'8", Colin Murray Boyles, 6'6", Arden Conyers. USC women announced the signing of two commitments, 5'10", Tessa Johnson, and 6'3", Chloe Kitts. Furman added guard 6'4", Edron Bronson of Tampa, and 6'5", Tommy Humphreys of Minneapolis. College of Charleston signed 6'5", Isaiah Coleman. Also, Clemson announced the uh, signing of their early uh, commitment as well. And that is going to be, give me just a second here, Aza Thomas, 6'7", Aza Thomas, who's out of uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, they announced uh, his signing today. Also, 2024 right-hander Dane Moeller of Marietta, Georgia, committed to Clemson. Wofford signed three in-state players for baseball. Outfielder Ethan Belk of Legion Collegiate. Left-hander outfielder Jake McCoy of Catawba Ridge. Right-hander Davis Rivers from AC Flora. There you go with recruiting. Now a couple of quick minutes from USC basketball coach Lamont Parrish after his first game, his first win last night for the Gamecocks. What a fun uh, environment. Uh the student section was great. I don't know how many showed up, but they showed up. That was obvious. So, uh, and you could tell that early. So it was awesome. And there were moments where we needed it. it was, uh, that's why coaches call timeouts. It's not always just because you make a couple buckets or whatever. That crowd gets into it, and they know what that does to the students, so uh, to our players. So, um, uh, shout out to the crowd in general, but uh, especially the student body. So that was that was great to see. But. Um, yeah, we got the first real game uh, out of our system, so uh, bless you. So that was good, and, uh, you know, we were nicked up a little bit, as you could tell, and then, and then on top of that, uh, Michi has a couple run-ins with, uh, with the injury bug out there. Um, it didn't seem like, knock on wood, anything was too serious, but it, but he was he, it was hard for him to get back to himself. You know, before he checks out, I think we're up 14, and after that, we ended up being in a nip and tuck situation uh, the rest of the game. So uh, the good thing about that is that there were all kinds of situations that we could not uh, at practice we can't simulate. Guys had to make a couple clutch free throws. We had to foul up three at the very end of the game. That was, you know, you can try all you want at practice, and it just the guys go half speed at that. So uh, it was good to get that. We had guys play out of position because of some of the injuries, um, you know. So I commended them for that. I commended them for that. And uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, teaching tools or things that were out there, moments that are out there. So we'll get back into the lab. And we got to learn quickly because there were a lot of chances to make some some winning plays, which rarely has to do with putting the ball in the basket. It's oftentimes a block out or just being on the same page with whatever we just said in the timeout. And then 30 seconds later, executing that and, and, uh, and, and being locked into the moment. Um, and so uh, there were a lot of those things. And I think that's what we'll take away uh, most uh, aside from just the win. Okay, opening statement from uh, Coach Parrish. And one thing he said, Chris, later on, I know you like this. He was asked about uh, 
is it philosophical or situational with him to foul up three? And he says it's philosophical that he will always foul up three. Unless he said if it starts to burn him, if it happens to burn him, but he broke it down. He says, I just can't believe it's better, you know, to give a guy a, a shot with a three. It's better to put him on the line, see if they can, you know, miss that second one, get the rebound, get a shot back up. He likes his chances better there. He's 100% correct. I was just so happy to hear a coach actually come out and say that, that it is part of his DNA. It's not something that changes from game to game. Yeah, that's his philosophy. Okay, that'll do it. Thank you for being with us. See you tomorrow night right back here on Sports Talk.